Welcome in to Box Office Quarterbacks, where we're all about good friends and real talk. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Schmelz, joined by the OG, the day one crew with Jeffrey Gordon. Jeff, what an NFL draft we had. What a ride, Ryan. <laughs> the first round of the NFL draft this year destroyed everyone's mock drafts. Let's just say that. I don't think anybody got that right. And then there was more unpredictability on days two and three. So this is definitely the most memorable draft we've had in a long time. Yeah. And you know, everyone thought this was going to be a boring draft. You had people who weren't even paying attention to the draft because they said it was uh, not worth paying attention to because none of the quarterbacks were expected to be, uh, you know, top five picks. And next thing you know, we've got trade after trade after trade happening uh, on the very, it's almost, it almost seemed like the NFL was aware that because there weren't as many, you know, uh, coveted quarterbacks, that this draft wasn't getting as much attention as it normally does. So that maybe all these teams like uh, AJ Brown and the Hollywood Brown deal were made like before the draft, and Roger Goodell was like, "Hey, can you like uh, you just just wait until draft day to to leak that or to announce that so that we can uh, you know, you know, keep people interested." I think you're right because today we learned that DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for the first six games of the season and that Hollywood Brown trade makes a whole lot of sense today uh, compared to what it did last week. So I think you are onto something, Ryan and, and, there and were the a- AJ Brown deal too. You know, he worked at that extension that same night. Yeah, and 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 the Hollywood Brown story, uh, as we've kind of learned too, is that uh, this trade had kind of been in the works, or that he had been wanting a trade and was unhappy for for some time now. So uh, I, I'm going to give kudos to the Ravens organization. I'm going to sound like a whole big time homer on this podcast, but you know I'm going to give kudos to the organization and Hollywood Brown for being able to keep that as tight lipped as they were, because if really they it, he was as unhappy as as we've been kind of been led to believe, then. You know, he handled it very professionally. So good, good on him. Yeah. And, you know, you heard whispers like last season, even that he was unhappy and he wanted to get to the the ball more and he wasn't happy in the system. But I mean, it worked out. It always works out for Ryan's team. Ryan's team is um, they always get the steals of the draft. They always know how to navigate themselves out of any situation. That is a front office to look to look up to for sure. Hey, well, I'm going to be uh, very nice to your team as well, because uh, I thought that the Denver Broncos, despite not having uh, any first round picks, and I don't think that's the case for another next year as well. But uh, you got some first round talent in the second round. And, uh, you know, you got a Bonito who's Nick Bonito, who's arguably a first round talent, maybe a late first round talent. And then getting a Dulcich as well to kind of replace Noah Fant. So I think the Broncos will kick off my winners. I think the Broncos are one of my winners here, despite because if you're factoring the entire offseason too, definitely winners. I am feeling the love tonight, Ryan. Let's just keep it going. Let's just talk about the Ravens and the Broncos for the rest of the night. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do like what the Broncos did. Uh, the one thing they didn't address was the right tackle uh, situation, but we're going to have uh, a training camp battle to figure that out. And I trust George Payton is a very smart GM. So I am down with the whole vision that he has going for uh, our team. 
But you do have a more mobile quarterback than you've had in a recent memory. More mobile, more accurate. (laughs) All across the board. I'm very excited. Yeah. And so uh, I think I'm going to keep the winners going. Uh, I've got uh, don't call me a homer because everyone's saying it. So I'm really just being a pack follower, if you want to put it that way. But everyone is saying that the Baltimore Ravens are winners in this draft. And I don't want to sound like a homer, as I just said, but I thought the Baltimore Ravens were absolutely winners in this draft. Now, I see some people giving the Ravens A plus grades. I am not going to give them an A plus grade. I would give them an A or an A minus because uh, while I think that they absolutely, I think, won that Hollywood Brown trade and got some tremendous value for a guy whose contract's uh, about to be up and getting a first round pick and thus using that first round pick on a potentially generational talent at center. Um, the lack of addressing of the wide receiver position is a concern. Now they did get two very good pass catching tight ends uh, in the fourth round. So that might fill that need there. Uh, and they do have some talent. I think the talent, the wide receiver room in Baltimore is a little underrated for my taste, but uh, looking at just some of these guys, Kyle Hamilton dropping all the way to Baltimore at 14. I mean, it almost felt like Eric DaCosta sitting there looking at John Harbaugh and Mike McDonald, the defensive quarter, just being like, uh, wow, we really have to draft him now, don't we? Like <laughs> a, a guy this good just dropped to us, even though safety isn't our biggest need. But there's no way we can't pick this guy. I'm in a fantasy football league with a lot of Steelers fans. And during the group chat uh, that night, they're like, Kyle Hamilton's going to go to Baltimore, isn't he? Two picks later, that's exactly what happened. Uh, it's just the the board fell to you in a perfect way. And the the first round was weird like that because you had such a huge run on wide receivers. I did not see that coming because, you, you know, compared to the, the year when, what was it, Justin Jefferson and Jerry Judy and uh, all those players came out, that was supposed to be the strongest wide receiver class ever. But now uh, we had you can see that the wide receiver position is kind of like the premium position in the league uh, is definitely changed. It it definitely just feels like um, a lot of these wide receiver. It just feels like every class for like the last five years has been at least like seven guys who are first round grades at wide receiver. Now, it seemed like there may have been a substantial drop off at some point here because there was some a lot of aggression to go up and get the two Ohio State kids as well as getting um, the, the guy from Alabama. So I, I think that there was definitely, there seemed to be a drop-off. Uh, there were still some guys who could have been first-round picks who dropped to the second round, and we'll get to that in just a second. But, uh, you know, staying with the Ravens, I mean, yeah, Tyler Linderbaum. I will say this, uh, every Ravens fan has been complaining for the last five years that there has just been such inconsistency at the center position. And I think the Ravens kind of saw that last season when having Bradley Bozeman play center, that they're how nice it is to have a trustworthy center. So to get, finally invest in that position is huge. David Ajabu, a fir- potential top 15 pick, dropping to them at 45, though he is injured and eh, might not going to probably play immediately. And then Travis Jones, UConn, potentially looking at a uh, guy who was a late first-round pick, dropping all the way to the third round for the Ravens. It, 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 and even, even Jalen Armour Davis, some said he was – first round worthy as well, getting him in the fourth round and then getting these two tight ends uh, later on who could have been second round picks. This is just, uh, uh, it's it's Eric DaCosta at his finest right here. Yeah, I mean, 
we, we talk about Ryan's team all night long, but I want to talk about my winners of the draft who are the New York Jets, which is not Jeff, something I, I must you say, have heard. <laughs> yeah, I must say, Jeff, I could. Jeff had to say that to me before the show started because he knew it was going to be so painful to actually say it. Like, I don't hate the Jets. I love making fun of the Jets, though. It is one of my favorite pastimes to do. But this year, I cannot make fun of them. They got Sauce Gardner, number three. Some people thought he would go number two to the Texans. That was not the case. A steal right there. They get Garrett Wilson, uh, a wide receiver, in the first round. And then they get Jermaine Johnson a little bit later. They also got Brees Hall in the second round, who's projected to just be a monster in fantasy football this year. And you pair him with Michael Carter, who's already there. Uh, You have uh, the tight end from the Bengals. I'm blanking on his name right now, who came over in free agency. Uzama. Uzama. And Peyton knows him well. This team is going to surprise people, I think. If Zach Wilson turns the corner this year, that is. I would say my only issue, and I feel like there's a lot, I have a lot of butts with a lot of the teams, even the ones who I think were the consensus winners, and the Jets were definitely a consensus winner. I mean, you look at their top three picks were arguably top 15, top 10 talents. Uh, Brees Hall was a first round talent who dropped to the second round. And, uh, you know, I think the, the main issue for me, though, is I know that they have put a lot of attention to this position over the last you know two years in both the draft and free agency. But I think if I'm a Jets fan, I probably would have liked to have gotten some type of offensive line help uh, somewhere in there in the first three rounds. That would be uh, my only concern, just because I really do think that um, it, it just, I, 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 I'm not sold on a lot of their guys on the offensive line. A lot of them have promise, like Mekhi Becton, but it's not that like there's no guarantee that they're going to be take that step next season. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they play in a tough division too. That's, that's the other thing. The the AFC East has definitely rebounded quickly since Tom Brady left that division. You have the bills who did some nice things as well. The bills got um, James cook, Delvin's brother, and I think he's going to fit in nicely. They got some nice defensive players in this draft. Uh, The Patriots did the typical Patriots things where they traded to the back of the draft and they drafted some guy that a lot of people projected to be a third or fourth round pick. And then he's going to end up. That always works out. Yeah. Then he's going to end up being a pro bowler within three years. (laughs) Yeah. And then the Dolphins are loading up. Yeah, no, that that that's the problem. It's just your division is just uh, such an unknown there. And yeah, I mean, you could argue every single team could make the playoffs next season. It's just it's a it's a tough division to predict. Just like how the AFC West West is going to be a tough division to predict. And I mean, just I don't see anybody dethroning the Bills as of right now. No matter how many moves the Dolphins made in the offseason or how happy I am with the Jets draft class, it's just it's hard to dethrone the bills the way they've been doing, especially when I I can't believe a team like gives a quarterback that much money and they're able to make so many moves in free agency. Like it's just, it just was kind of like, how is this front office making this salary cap work for them? Yeah. And I mean, they're even going to be scarier this year. They have Von Miller on the defense. They have, 
I, I think Gabriel Davis is going to break out this year in his second or th- uh, this will be his third year. But I, I think if they would have gotten past the Chiefs last year in the divisional round, they probably would have went to the Super Bowl. Uh, th- they are not just a step away. They're there. They're, they might be the team to beat in the AFC. As they, that's what I thought last year. We'll see what happens, but the AFC is going to be a lot tougher this year. That's for sure. Uh, if one team I think was able to make a statement with the draft, uh, I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that their division was very aggressive in the offseason, and I think that everyone's so ready to crown the Bills the new king of the AFC, even though uh, Kansas City beat them once again in the playoffs. But I thought they had a phenomenal draft. Uh, Trent McDuffie, Dropping to them, he could have been a, a top 15 talent. George Kafarlis, who was also uh, how he was still available at number 30 is is mind boggling to me. I think that I think a lot of these teams who needed that needed pass rushers really benefited from this run on wide receivers because there were some really good pass rushers who dropped to the end of the first round and, and, and including uh, the edge from Purdue who we just mentioned as well as uh, uh, Jermaine Johnson dropping all the way down to the late twenties for the Jets to pick him, and, and, and then the you know the 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 Chiefs also get Sky Moore at number fifty four, who he, he's definitely not going to be Tyree Kill in, in year one. But I think that this team did enough upgrading its defense, also getting Brian Cook from Cincinnati at sixty two, and Leo Chanel, who was an absolute steal at one hundred three, who's the, the Wisconsin linebacker. So I, I think that. While, yeah, the Chiefs did not replace Tyreek Hill, it, it's kind of hard to replace Tyreek Hill. I think that this defense is going to be a lot better because this was a defense where I, I believe Frank Clark's kind of getting up there. Uh, they're not going to have Melvin Ingram next year. We don't know if they're, if they're – oh, as, as of this recording, they're not going to be bringing back the Honey Badger. Uh, Tyron Matthews signed with the, uh, the Saints today, I believe. So – they had to get younger at younger and they also with the with how their salary caps kind of look and they have to get cheaper too and the draft's the way to do that yep the the other team i i think was a winner ryan is the philadelphia eagles and then you got to factor in the aj brown trade that went down which went down after they had already picked uh jordan davis from georgia uh with the 13th pick in the draft and then uh, nicobe dean fell very, very far down everybody's draft board. I guess there were some concerns about uh, a shoulder surgery that he didn't want to get, and that's what scared teams off. But uh, getting a first-round talent in the third round and pairing him with a teammate that he had on uh, a team that made a huge run uh, last year in college football, I mean, that's that's a great night too. Uh, I think that... I don't know. The Eagles already made it to the playoffs last year. Uh, obviously, uh, the expectations are going to be higher, but I really like what Philadelphia did in this draft as well. Yeah, once I am looking up Fletcher Cox's age too, and uh, this is factoring in because, you know, when you think about uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, Fletcher Cox is 31. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting that they – you know, they're kind of like they kind of like had a, a we're planning for the future type of draft where they go and they get Jordan Davis as Fletcher Cox gets older. They say, we're not going to lose this power in the trenches, this power that got us to the Super Bowl. So we're going to go we're gonna get the biggest, baddest dude and potentially in the entire draft. Um, I mean, this guy's massive. 
and, and he's got so much talent and, and, you know, you potentially have your replacement of Fletcher Cox right there. Then you go and get, you get Cam Jurgens at, at 51. And we're talking about a guy who, uh, you know, could be the replacement to uh, Jason Kelsey, who I don't know how that guy's still playing. He looks like he is still in his prime, honestly. And, uh, you know, he, but you know, he's going to, he's getting up there. So you kind of have to have his replacement and they went and they got Dickerson last year who can play center also. So now you have two potential replacements to a hall of fame, uh, future hall of fame center. And yeah, getting to Kobe Dean at, you know, you can, you can take those risks at pick 83. You know, if, if a guy's potentially going to be a first round pick or he, something could be seriously wrong with them. Well, at 83, I'll take that risk because, if he ends up living up to that first round talent that was pegged on him, I got a steal and I got him on the cheap. Yeah. And I was hoping the Broncos were going to take him. I was, uh, that's why I was watching day three in particular day two, uh, to hope that he would fall to us. So yeah, those would be my two winners though. Ryan, I do have a lot of thoughts on who the losers of the draft are. All right. Well, I'm going to go one more winner and I don't know if you're going to consider this team a loser, but I thought the green Bay Packers were winners here. Um, I thought that, you know, I, I think we always like to pick a team's flaw and say that we have to, like, oh, they better. I think that's the only issue the team has. And I think we kind of got that way with the Packers. And then, of course, the internet blows up when they don't pick a wide receiver in their first two picks. But then they still find a way to get Christian Watson uh, from North Dakota State at number 34. And some people thought he was as high as the second best wide receiver in this draft. So I thought that that was a very smart move. I think they, they calmed down the fan base a little bit. And then they got two really, really, really strong players uh, in Quay Walker and Devonte Wyatt. There's just two of the many uh, Georgia defensive players to go in the first round. And these guys are going to be contributors immediately because uh, I mean, you still got to stop Sean McVay. If you want to win the Super Bowl in in the NFC, you still have to stop Tom Brady. And so for the for the Packers to go so hard on defense, that's I'm, I, I can't fault that, especially when I think these two players are very good, too. Yeah. And the wide receiver position for that team is going to come. You have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, who is kind of like Tom Brady and doesn't age. I think Christian Watson is going to be a great wide receiver. I think um, Amari Rogers, who was drafted last year, uh, is going to get a bigger shot this year with uh, Devontae Adams gone. So the offense, is it's not going to be a problem. No, uh, and let's keep in mind, too, uh, you know, Packers wide receivers, I feel like, have kind of come on slow a little bit, even despite the, you know, the quarterback they have. Uh, it took Devontae Adams like till year three to really break out. So, uh, uh, you know, if, if Christian Watson doesn't kind of break out this year, but somebody else does one of their younger guys, I wouldn't be shocked if that happens either. Yeah. And you have Ellen Lazard and then you have Sammy Watkins now as fallback veterans. So they're going to be fine. Yeah. And I wish I had some of these teams salary cap numbers because there are still a couple good wide receivers still on the market. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are still on the market as of this recording. Yeah, I think they're going to be like training camp ads or something. It's going to come late. But yeah, whoever gets those two guys, is going to have some nice veteran pieces for sure. All right. Who do you got as your losers? You seem very, very eager to, <laughs> to drop this on me. I don't know what the Tennessee Titans did in this draft. It made no sense to me. And I, you know, I understand that you didn't want to pay A.J. Brown 20 to $25 million a year, but 
what are you going to do if Traylon Burks becomes the next AJ Brown and then wants 20 to $25 million a year, are you going to pay him then? It made no sense to, well, I'm going to, I'm going to defend him on this because I, it's just some, some of these GMs have just kind of said, I'm not going to spend, I'm not going to give a, a wide receiver a hundred million dollar contract, especially, you know, in AJ Brown's case, he, the guy's been injury prone. Uh, you don't know how long he's going to last. It's just, was it worth it to to give up? I mean, and you got some good value for him. I mean, if Traylon Burks works out, that's, I I guess like, right. Yeah. In, in the, the right now, it looks bad because it's going to be hard to, to match that production. But I think a lot of these teams, when we look at these trades, like five years from now, I feel like the teams that traded the wide receiver are going to be the ones we talk about as the winners. Yeah, it, it depends what they're going to do with these picks. The, the, now, the glaring, the glaring pick, though, for me is in the third round. There is not a team that I, let's say, of all the teams that Malik Willis could have went to that I would be least excited for him to go to, this is probably the one. Yeah, but you have a lot of people saying that he's just not ready to play right now. So he can sit behind Ryan Tannehill for two seasons, take over when he's ready. And and then I mean in this situation, you do we know that Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starter by the end of the season? Just the way that the world reacted to him, uh, his play last year. You know, you have people saying that he dropped off, and then you. I think he left a. It was. It, it, I think. I think the reason for the Malik Willis pick is just how let down that fan base was in the playoffs, and and they. I you could say they probably wanted a backup plan. So yeah, if Ryan Tannehill goes out and plays well, then you don't have to worry about it. But like, you know, we need a plan B here. And for a quarterback who had a first round grade at available at 86, why not take, why not make that risk? Especially, you know, backup quarterbacks, a good position to invest in too. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see him play. It's just, you you know, it's going to be a while to figure that out. My other loser though, Ryan, in this draft is the Seattle Seahawks. They drafted like Russell Wilson was still on their team and they had every chance to draft a quarterback and they didn't do it. They could have drafted Malik Willis twice in the second round. I thought Desmond Ritter probably would have been a nice pick for them as well. Uh, He went to the the Falcons, which I actually love, but I don't know. I guess they're going to try to roll with Drew Locke next year and then hope for the better QB class in 2023. Maybe that's the plan, but uh, I did not like is, what they did. Unless this, this is the landing spot for Baker Mayfield. Um, because if it is, I mean, I like a lot of what they did. I mean, Charles Cross, Boye Mafe, Kenneth Walker. I mean, it, Kenneth Walker is 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 gonna will probably be the running back that Pete Carroll has always wanted in Seattle since Marshawn Lynch left, you know, they have just never been able to have the production that, that Marshawn Lynch had when he was there. And Pete Carroll likes to run the ball. Uh, you people forget how awesome his running offense was uh, when, when he was with USC with Lendell Wright, Lendale White and Reggie Bush. Um, and, and, and I mean, they finally invested in their offensive line. It just, they're, they're t- they, I think they really took advantage of having these first round picks once again, um, because I think they got a little out of control trading away first round picks for Jamal Adams. And then Russell Wilson was eating up a lot of their salary cap. So if this is the landing spot for Baker Mayfield, I think what they did is OK. 
Yeah. I want I want Baker Mayfield out of Cleveland so bad. I feel so bad for him right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean this just seems like the only landing spot for him now. Yeah, especially because uh, Matt Coral went to Carolina, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that's your that's your guy, Ryan. What do you think about that? I think it is a, a great spot for him. Um, it's honestly like if you're an Ole Miss fan and you want and you want your guy to go to the best landing spot, you probably want him to get drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers from all the teams that needed quarterbacks, uh, just because it's a good program there. Uh, Carolina is a little uncertain there, but at the same time, I do think he has a he of, of all the guys, I would say that, uh, I would say that, that Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral have the best chance of starting, uh, immediately. Well, besides Kenny Pickett, but of the guys who got drafted later in the draft, I would say it's between Corral and, uh, and, and, uh, Desmond Ritter down in Atlanta, but it, 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 it Carolina's got potential. I've got some questions on their offensive line, but I mean, he is going to have a really good defense. I think Carolina's got a potential to have a top five defense in the NFL this year. Yeah, Carolina might sneak up on some people, and I, I definitely could see him starting before the, the end of the year. Uh, Kenny Pickett will be interesting because they did sign uh, Mitch Trubisky to that two-year deal, and apparently you know, it was kind of like a renaissance of things that he learned in Buffalo as a backup to Josh Allen for a year. So I'm actually really excited to see Mitch Trubisky play. Uh, I think Kenny Pickett will be waiting in the wings for a little bit, but probably not long seeing as Kenny Pickett went to college in Pittsburgh and has a lot of fans there. If things go south, he will be in there before you know it. Uh, I think that I, I would have to say that honestly, I think I could, you could probably argue the Steelers won this draft just because of that pick. I mean, you know, it's a little, we don't know what Jer- what, what, uh, Kenny Pickett's going to be, but I think first for him, like to be, to have all these, these teams that needed quarterbacks and to have, you know, three to four or yeah, two to three other guys who could have been late first round picks too. And for you to get drafted by the Steelers, I think was, you have to be in church, saying your thank yous because I think that to go to Pittsburgh, like first of all, you're already in the market. You already know the area. You're already loved there because you took Pitt to the, uh, you, you won the ACC championship with Pitt. I mean, you're, you're in a awesome situation, I think in Pittsburgh and, and, you know, Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Uh, all these other quarterbacks got drafted to coaches that I'm uncertain about. And you have Mike Tomlin, who's one of the best coaches of our generation. Uh, I think he's in a great position right here. And and I think it's a win for Pittsburgh because they just sat there at number 20 and no quarterbacks got picked. So they just got to pick whatever one they wanted. Yeah, it it worked out perfectly for them and they got the guy they wanted. I, I'm happy for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a great football town, probably one of the best between Green Bay and um, uh, Pittsburgh. But yeah, I'm I'm happy for them. Like Pittsburgh Steelers fans are fired up about it. So uh, they obviously know what they're doing. They're the winningest NFL franchise of all time. So yeah, they'll and, figure and they it have out. Op- they have options here now too. So they don't have to rush Kenny Pickett in there if, if Mitch Trubisky indeed plays well. But yeah, I think it is important, like in the Titans situation, to have these options here. Um, I don't know what the Atlanta Falcons are going to do. Uh, I'm just a little... I like what their roster looks like. I think before the Matt Ryan trade, I think they were going to be kind of that team I had picked as the team that would uh, 
you know, be, be the, the one that comes, the contender that comes out of nowhere, right? Like everyone wants to know what's that, what, what's the, what are the Bengals going to be? What's next year's Bengals team going to be? What's uh, the, the Eagles team that won the Super Bowl? Where's that team that's just going to be a losing record to first place contending for a Super Bowl? And I thought Atlanta could have been that until they traded away Matt Ryan. So now I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, you know, Marcus Mariota is obviously a bridge quarterback, and I think it was a two-year deal that they can opt out of after one. Desmond Ritter is probably going to be the future. Uh, He is a third-round pick, so it's not like he needs to start immediately, but I think that that's the way to go. I really like Drake London, though, to that team at at 9 or 10 whenever they took him. I think he's a perfect fit for that offense, and... Honestly, I'm going to target him in every rookie draft I do this year in fantasy football. Who is who what are the losers do you have? Uh just, honestly just the the Titans and the Seahawks were the ones I really really wanted to talk about. <laughs> I feel like every team at least did like a couple things that I really liked. I I'm, I want to remind myself what the Vikings did and you know, I can't really hate on their draft. They got some really good value here too with uh a uh, potential first round cornerback at number 42 seen at number 32 from Georgia, another Georgia player going, uh, I would say it, it, we kind of touched on um, Kenny Pickett being an individual winner. What individual players or, or anybody like that do you think was a winner just from what they ended up landing in? I mean, you got to start right at the top, right? Like Trevon Walker was not atop anybody's draft board. They all, they all thought it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson that was going to go number one all these months. And Trevon Walker, all of a sudden, three or four days before the draft, is predicted to be the new number one, and it happens, and he goes to Jacksonville. So I think he is definitely the big winner of the draft. Yeah, that's another team I think kind of uh, came out of nowhere. I, I really, you know, we're going to be debating this Trevon Walker thing for the rest of time, but the reality is he is a good player. Um, and then getting Devin Lloyd in – at number 27, how he was still available at that number is ridiculous. Um, the guard they got, or the center, I guess, out of Kentucky, you can also play guard, I think, too. Uh, Fortner at 65. I think they had a pretty pretty solid draft for the most part. And, and you know, I think they won the offseason in the first place just because I think they got a really good coach there. So I'm pretty confident. I like what Jacksonville's doing. Obviously, I'm not going to see it till I believe it, but uh, Trevor Lawrence is at least going to have a chance next year. Yeah. Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence makes so much sense. So much more than whatever urban Meyer did with that team last year. And you get Travis Etienne back. You pair him with James Robinson. You add all the weapons that you got in the off season. It's a, it's a nice mix for sure. Yeah. And they, they did some addressing of the offensive line in the draft, but then they did a decent amount in free agency. I'm still a little skeptical if their line's going to be good enough to to compete. But to have the other Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, and I think the the defense that they run in Jacksonville will let Trayvon Walker uh, kind of a little more loose than, than the Georgia defense does. But I, I think that... Jacksonville could surprise some people this year. There were a lot of teams that really missed out on the first round, which was kind of funny. Yeah, we it was a weird first round for me because the Broncos obviously didn't have a pick, but I enjoyed watching all the chaos. 
it took so long for the Broncos to pick on the second day of the draft, though. I got off of work. I went. I got dinner from the grocery store. I ate dinner. I played with my dogs in the backyard. The Broncos still didn't pick. That's how long I was waiting this year. So uh, it was definitely a different type of draft for me. I would probably say that um, if we're talking about winners, I'm going to say that I think just about every quarterback kind of won in some way or another. Like, I know you could say that they probably didn't win because they all dropped to the third round and probably missed out on a ton of money. And being a third round pick, probably you you have a shorter leash. So if you don't perform in your rookie season and really inspire this team, you're probably if they're a high draft pick, they're probably going to draft a quarterback. Um, but at the same time, I think every single one of these guys could be starters uh, or the futures of their franchise just from the positions they're in. Yeah, and I, honestly, I liked how Malik Willis handled the slide because he was on Twitter the entire time saying, oh man, what happened to Malik? And just joking around. So he he definitely had a sense of humor to the whole thing, and I, I did appreciate that. Yeah, that's always respectable when when these guys just, I mean, especially too, you get the cameras on you the, all that pretty much that entire time, especially now with, social media and technology. I mean, the, the camera's going to be on you the entire draft now. So I guess now that we're, we're kind of at the end or the, I guess the conclusion of the offseason, who would you say counting the draft and, and the offseason moves in free agency and trades? I know you're going to say the Broncos, but who won, free, who won the offseason? <laughs> oh, the Broncos. <laughs> And I'm not just saying that because I'm a huge homer, but they did. No team has gotten better than the Broncos have since the end of the regular season in early January to where we are. Now we have an actual quarterback. We have offensive weapons. Our defense is going to be scary uh, with, with the addition of our second round pick. It's it, it's a new era in Denver, and I'm very excited. I I, obviously, we play in one of the hardest divisions in football. I still have high hopes. Uh, I would say I'm going to go with a, with, a, with a sleeper here. I would say the Indianapolis Colts. I think that this team has done a great job building the roster through the draft, making smart but not crazy you know, moves in free agency, not spending too much on on guys that might be risks or anything like that. And I think that they did a really good job in this draft getting Alec Pierce in the second round um, and also Bernard Raymond at number 77. I, I, I just really think that Matt Ryan is going to be the safest quarterback they've had since Andrew Luck left. I think at the bare minimum, he'll do enough to get them to the playoffs. But if he's still got a lot left in the tank, then I think the Colts are Super Bowl contenders. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, both on my dynasty team. Ryan, I hope you're right. <laughs> uh, Jeff is obsessed with fantasy football. If you didn't know, me and Gerald, all right, and Eric. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never done dynasty, but I always get like the messages, and I have to give you guys advice. And I'm like, I don't know anything about yeah. what what you guys are doing here. <laughs> It's, uh, uh, I guess you could say the Chargers are also big offseason winners here. I don't want to admit it, but yeah. 
Oh man, my oh is it Khalil Mack adding Zion Johnson in the draft? This is a you could say the AFC West is yeah. the big winners because I mean Devontae Adams went to the Raiders. It was for a week straight there. It was like a new weapon is going to the AFC West. It was a very crazy week in March. Yeah, just I'll never the, forget the fact that they that that just every every team in the AFC West now has a an argument to make for why they're the ones to be feared is, is so so interesting. I think. And that's what I love about it. But you got to think that they're going to cannibalize each other and then some other teams it, are going to sneak in there. It's going to be rough. I mean, we're playing eight division games a year. Whew. That is a gauntlet for sure to get through. Oh, yeah. I- I'm going to say the Rams won the offseason too. Um, just the fact that you had to pay your quarterback – um, you don't really have many draft picks to work with, but somehow they just manipulated the salary cap where they were still able to be fairly aggressive in free agency. It was very, just just very, very impressive. To make Bobby Wagner, get give him a big deal, make that work, get Allen Robinson in there. I mean, it, losing Andrew Whitworth is going to be a tough pill to swallow, and I hope they've got the right secession plan there because that's a concern. But uh, I still got to think that the Rams are in good position to compete in that uh, for a Super Bowl. And I just don't think that their division's as tough as it was last year. Yeah, it's actually gotten easier. I mean, you don't have to face Russell Wilson twice a year. So, you you know, factor that in. If any, if you're going to look up to any team how to get around the salary cap and work with what you got, that is the team that should be the blueprint because they find ways – somehow to get all these players and I still don't understand it, but they, they definitely get creative and then it's worked out. Obviously they won the Super Bowl. I would say Tampa Bay has been very impressive with that as well. I mean, Tom Brady has always been the most salary cap friendly quarterback uh, of our time. And I think it's always been kind of an underrated aspect of his game, but it just, I, I, I didn't think there was any way that Chris Godwin was going to be there long-term. I thought it was going to be franchise tag until, you know, it's time for him to hit free agency or we, or we eventually end up trading him. But then somehow they made that contract work and how it's just, I feel like they really haven't lost anybody since their Super Bowl team. They've just, they've kept that team together. They made every single contract work and that's just, it's a really impressive job by their front office. All right. Well, what a night. What an NFL draft, and uh, what a schedule we've got coming up soon, right? All Marvel uh, coming up in the next few days, in the next week. We got Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness instant reaction on Thursday. Uh, we have a new article coming up on the review board before that, just detailing our predictions, and then we'll have a full spoiler review of Doctor Strange next week, along with our Moon Knight season finale recap as well. So we got a lot of stuff coming, Ryan. Yeah, and Ryan turns 30 very soon. So welcome be ready. to the club. <laughs> be ready. Yeah. 30s well, are your 30s are your best years, Ryan. Let me tell I've you heard that. that. I've heard that. I'm excited for it. I hope it's I hope it I hope it ends up being true. I, I'm but very anyway. excited that uh Ryan's turning turning 30 and joining the club. <laughs> Well, we thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Good Friends and Real Talk. He's Jeffrey Gordon. 
I'm Ryan Schmelz. This is Box Office Quarterbacks. Please follow us on social media and check out our website for more reviews and shows. We'll see you later.